live from New York. It's seasonal depression. <laughs> How are you, Rebex? I'm so well. How are you, Abs? What you drinking? Uh, canned rose. What are you drinking? I'm drinking Aperol and soda with a little vermouth. You're so fancy. I wanted it to be Campari, but I ran out. Tragedy has stricken. <gasps> it struck. Um, I'm Struck not a Campari if you will. person. Unless it's Have a, I ever told you? a Negroni. What? I love a Negroni. Adam had never had Campari before, and we were making um, Campari spritzes for my dad for his birthday. And he was like, oh, let me try some. And he took a straight swig of Campari, which is, like, Ugh. not a good idea. And he's like, it's so bitter. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's bitter Campari. It's a bitter, yeah, it's a bitter. So he can't really even smell it. It doesn't work for him anymore, which is a drag because I freaking love Campari. And I'll drink it all the time, anywhere, You belong baby. in Mad Men. I am, I just like, I like regular alcohol, like tequila and... I'll drink anything except for vodka, really, because it reminds me too much of being drunk and 18, so. I can't drink mezcal because of that time I pissed my pants on the sidewalk while I was puking it up. I don't like Shout mezcal Shout out to that cause... bartender, Michael, who drove me home or maybe walked me home. I got home somehow, and I don't think I got murdered unless I am currently a ghost. But yeah, thank you, Michael, wherever you are. <laughs> Wherever you are, Michael, you're doing the work. I <laughs> just the other brunch, uh, our manager had to drive someone home because no Uber would pick them up because they were too drunk. So really, how bad it was, was a, it? It was a fifty-plus-year-old man who kept falling down on the sidewalk. You should have just left him on the sidewalk. Uh, yeah, two Ubers came, refused to pick them up, and then he drove them home himself and then they gave him a hundred dollars so hey that's such a riot that would never happen here <laughs> right well no plus everything in like boston is like you're driving them home to like fucking new hampshire like there's no way yeah, really. to like <laughs> drive them home yeah so. i remember when i was like back when i was internet dating i'd meet guys and they'd be like i live in nashua and i was like yeah. well i have no car and no inclination to even cross the river to go to cambridge so no <laughs> I, like, I tell people that I live 20 minutes from work, and like, that's far. I'm like, I used to get up an hour and a half. Like, I, that was my commute. It was an hour and a half on, I'd had to switch lines and everything, so. Oh, God. When I used to work at the ICA for like 10 minutes, I used to go from, all the way from Brighton, like the butthole end of the B line, and I would have to go Green line, red line to the silver line. When I moved to Boston, when I moved to Massachusetts, we lived in Hull, which is truly the butthole of Massachusetts. <laughs> the Hull is unreal, yeah. Um, so I used to take the commuter rail into South Station, which is the worst station, except for it has a bathroom at least. Uh, so I used to take the commuter rail to South Station, South Station, the red line to the green line at Park Street, and then take that all the way to the Gardner Museum, where that I got paid $14 an hour to sell people stupid Demitas spoons. So The E-line is a real drag, too. Uh, yeah, I used to take the He Street E-line train. That was my train, oh, where know. you would wait. Oh. 
sometimes 35 minutes. You never know. Or there's three of them in a row. Or it's like he street, he street, he street. Or it's nothing. Or you get nothing for fucking 45 minutes. It's stupid. Truly. Hey, listeners, is this alienating if you've never lived in Boston? (laughs) Have you never lived in Boston? (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. So, Never this moved is, to Boston. That's no, the, don't come here. Don't honestly, come, don't go there. <laughs> no, so this is fun for a while. Yeah, I mean, we're friends because we both lived here. But I mean, I moved here ten years ago, and things were so much cheaper even then than they are now. Oh my god, yeah, I can't, I've been here I for ten years. To stay. That's why we left. Ten fucking years. Congratulations, Abigail. No, nine. Nine years. But still, too long. Too long. That's Closer to a decade than I'm happy with. As long as Caesar and I have been together for ten years. More than ten years Oh, now. I have a segue. Are you doing anything for Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day? No, because it's a made-up holiday and we never do. He buys me a carton of Fierro Rochers and we both eat them. And then that's a nice tradition. We don't ever do anything. He's not usually home. Uh, So I think we're going to eat dinner. But like here. Last Valentine's Day um, at the bartending job. Did you guys know I'm a bartender? Uh, At the bartending job I had, we had a bubbles special with a bunch of bubbles and uh, not that many people came in. So I went home with a delicious sparkling red wine on a sazale. And it was so good. Sazale. I kind of remember that because I think Adam was away and you told me to come and I was like, no, I shall not leave my bed this morning. <laughs> yeah, I was like, come drink this super cheap sparkling wine that's delicious. And I went home with uh, some red sparkling Spanish wine and it was so good. So I wish I could take back all the times I stayed in my house and refused to go out and see my friends because now we're in a panda, panda dolce. Panda dolce. <laughs> I have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> Just me. You can't see me anyway. (laughs) So this is the Spooky Succubus cast, an anti-racist, anti-capitalist, feminist podcast for the people. Pro-fat. We have a lot of fat phobia to talk about today. Uh, For the people, by the people, or at least two drunk dirtbags, who you're hearing now. I'm Abby. I'm Rebecca. And today we're talking about the 2001 David Boreanaz classic valentine i'm gonna tell you right now this is my first viewing i'm hyper hyper attractive to date attracted to david boreanaz he is so hot it's too hot to handle i can't i this is a weird opinion but on buffy eh, on bones though oh my god i've never seen bones He's so hot on Bones. But now he's on like a weird super military Navy SEAL no. show. He's still so David, hot though. He looks on. the same. He's so hot. He's so charming. We'll get into the spiky it. But he's hair, so charming. He's the only man that I forgive that spiky hair. Of. He can do he can do no wrong. This is wrong. What he did here was wrong. Uh, I mean, just <laughs> putting it out there. I don't know. It wasn't his fault. He was just being out there being David Boreanaz. Okay. Being the Aurora uh, Borealis that he is. A lot. Uh, we have a lot to unpack. <laughs> as ever, we do. So what is your experience with this movie? Um. So I, I'm going to tell you something that I feel like you're going to be really upset with me about can't wait i own this movie on dvd but i got it as like i don't even remember how i got it i just have it 
is like it was like a five dollar DVD bin at Walmart, Listen, and my mom all put it in my victim in my to the five dollar DVD bin at Kmart. It's true, yeah. And my mom knows she's a very thoughtful gift giver. Mom, thank you, and she just like puts horror movies in my stocking and she like gave it to me when I was 12 and I watched it on repeat all right little uh pee break pee break little pregnancy scare break pregnancy break (laughs) yeah no babies everybody no babies I'm I'm drinking rosé with no responsibilities just just how uh, I like it She's going to get pregnant right in time for Valentine's Day. Gross. It is disgusting, isn't it? I don't remember what (laughs) we were talking about before the pee break, but yes, Rebecca has this on DVD. Yes, it is offensive to people of color, um, fat people. Everyone. Brunettes. Women. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Brunettes. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Mentally ill people. I mean, you name it. They're shitting on someone in this absolute rag. Mm-hmm. But it's just in time for Valentine's Day. You're all our Valentines. And as a gift, we're getting drunk to talk about this dumpster fire. I would say getting drunk, but I think I'm already Your drunk. Your drunk status. Sorry. Guys. All right. Okay, it's my, my turn bad. to read the plot. I, again, am a first-time viewer. I'm very excited to dive in. I even wrote some jokes, so we'll see how it goes. I love when you write jokes. Okay. I'm pretty funny. All right, You're so hilarious. Valentine. By Abigail Welty and David Boreanaz. <laughs> <laughs> the credits begin to roll and we see a 1988 middle school yearbook with various girls circled with hearts and I love yous and then also I hate yous. We see footage of a boy getting repeatedly rejected at a school dance by five young girls, Shelly, Lily, Paige, Kate, and Dorothy. So Dorothy, the last girl, finally says yes that she'll dance with Jeremy. They end up smooching under the bleachers, but mean boys catch them and make fun of them. And then Dorothy turns on Jeremy, saying he attacked her. They pour punch on his head, a waste of punch, frankly. When are you going to just get more punch? Um, they take his clothes <laughs> off and they start drop kicking him. It was like really upsetting. Where are the teachers? They got really far question. into taking his clothes off and kicking him on the floor. And I didn't see any mm-hmm. intervention from teachers. Yeah. They're like, we're not getting paid to do this. <laughs> no chaperones at this 1988 games. <laughs> yes. So then the Chiron reads 13 years later, and we're at a fancy restaurant in San Francisco. Grown up Shelly is on a doomed date with a man named Jason, who is talking about himself in the third person, and it's going really badly because, like, why? It seemed too obvious. It's like you don't need to dress up how bad dating white guys is. Yeah, it's like bad it's enough just on its bad own. enough. Yeah. Yeah. So she uh, is obviously uninterested. She asks for the check. He makes her split it and she uh, departs. She says it was nice to meet him. And then he asks for a kiss at the end of the date. She says that she's not a doctor yet, but he should seek psychiatric help, which I tend to agree with. Um, Shelly pulls up to her lab and she parks like 15 feet away from the curb. Did you see that? (laughs) (laughs) None of this makes sense. Also, don't work on a cadaver in the middle of the night. Okay. After a couple drinks. Are medical students, not even actual doctors, just allowed to have wine? Please tell us. (laughs) Yes. Benjamin, our shining star angel Patreon subscriber. 
you are in med school now. Are you just going to go after hours to like cut open cadavers in the lab? Please don't. Please don't it do scares that. me. I'm worried about your safety <laughs> yeah. at all times. So first of all, she sexualizes this cadaver and she's like, she's like the silent type or something. <laughs> like, Catherine Heigl, I know that you just came up off Wish Upon a Star, which is a Oh my god, classic. how have we not talked about how much I fucking love that movie? I love Wish Upon a Star. So you know what movie, and I watched, you know what is always stuck in my head is the like song and I feel it in both Yeah, that song. Yeah. Uh <laughs> so I'm I like I'm not a Disney person. I don't love Disney because it's a terrible corporation that is um Spineless. Okay, and, but Disney original movies I, in the nineties though were so I good. Mean. It's like you can't not like them. And I and I was a child, you know, I was indoctrinated. Catherine Heigl's into this. outfits and then uh, I the mean frosted lipstick. Frosted it was lipstick too much. and the like you I know, can't. you would like put your hair up in a million clips. But then for me it got even more serious because she was in Roswell. And so and I. And this was, she only, so I read that she could only do the, her scenes over like three days because she had to get onto the Roswell set. I mean, Abby. she, I hear she's actually really horrible to work with and people don't like her. Um, <laughs> but whatever, I stand her. Forever. I've heard the same, yeah. <laughs> but maybe but, it's just because she was in Knocked Up with like the 10 most toxic men in the universe, you know? <laughs> I do, I, I stand Seth Rogen, kind of. Like, if it's anybody's fine. gonna go for Ted Cruz, like, he's the one. I, I mean, he might he's as my well fighter. do it. Yeah. I choose him. Yeah. <laughs> you choose him to stand against the Zodiac Killer, a.k.a. Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to reality here. Uh, so she, first of all, objectifies her cadaver named Chad. Um, she's, like, talking about how hot he is and then apparently gets, like, weird about it. So she covers his face and starts to cut <laughs> into him. Just then she hears it crash and goes to investigate. She is surprised by someone she recognizes and they wish, wish each other luck for the next day, which is presumably an exam. She's not going to live for us to find out. Spoiler alert. there's an envelope taped to her locker that has a valentine inside but it's a violent message about how she's gonna die they're nicely made i like them a lot very pretty they're beautifully made all of them i know i they made me want to collage they i was like i i could make this you sure I could, could. Make a car. Yeah. yeah. You anyone can collage if they just believe hard enough. <laughs> That's what I always say. Uh, yes. Yeah, so she uh, gets upset, returns to her lab. She begins to slice into Chad, but sees the cadaver breathe lightly. So she freaks out. Sees the real Chad is in the freezer. When she turns back to the slab, no one is there. So she grabs her little scalpel and she goes on the hunt. Uh, she tries to leave, but the exit apparently is locked. She hears a door open and close in the distance, and she walks toward the sound, but a hand comes out from behind a curtain to choke her. She gets away, but the figure chases her through the halls. She eventually enters the morgue, but the slasher comes after her and finds her in a body bag and stabs her to death. Um, she, like, number one, you need to be wearing more protective gear than just gloves. A tank top like, and gloves. Here's what like, I would have done. It's gross, but effective. You climb in under another body, so when he stabs mm-hmm. through the body bag, he hits the other body. It's going to be a little smelly, but you won't be dead. Caesar, so Caesar and I watch this movie together because I've seen it more than once. 
no problem. I needed complete focus. But yeah, laser I focus. used to, <laughs> when I was in college, I barely remember it. I, my last class got out at 1030 at night. What kind of cruel hell I is had that? a 7 to and 10 back in the day, yeah. Yeah, so I used to go, I did the exact same thing because I had to work because I'm poor. So I used to go into class at 7.30 and I used to get done at 10.30 and Caesar and I were dating back then and he used to pick me up. So when I was waiting for him, I would be working alone in the studio after everyone else from the class left and I would just be working in there. And he used to pick me up and there was a creepy ass old fucking building in downtown Tempe and I can kind of see this because he was like how how does she not know how to get out and I was like if you don't know like what doors are locked and what doors aren't and locked an old at 10 30 like p.m totally. yeah like you get fucked like you it's pretty creepy it I do like think the most realistic part of the movie she could have handled it better but yeah <laughs> maybe yeah but you know what we're not gonna victim blame she was stabbed by a cupid faced man um <laughs> which is like that mask was, was pretty cute creepy. i liked it so um, <laughs> we, when the slasher murders her we see blood come through the mask just like jeremy's nose blood earlier in the dance scene mm. so then we see two other women grown up from the friend group kate and Paige. they're going speed dating kate is in the process of breaking up with a guy named adam but she Ends up going speed dating anyway. Um, there's a quick montage of the terrible men Kate is meeting. Hey, Rebecca, who's the only black person in this movie? Is he oversexualized? Is he a hypersexualized, terrible man at speed dating? Yes. You bet. So it's a pretty excruciating montage, but Kate then meets a cutie. I also like, why is. I don't, I really hate the way that men are, like, men are also a pro, like, they also suffer from white supremacy and toxic masculinity. Is that, like, only tall men are attractive. Is like, that's not, like, who cares how yeah. tall you are? Like, who cares if you're six something or not? Like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, it's not fair. I mean, I am, I am married to someone who's, like, six foot-ish, but still, like, I, I don't know that I would give a crap if a man was smaller than me, like, if he was a good person. No, I don't think That's it matters. I mean, yeah, I think we forget, especially, like, when we see shit like this, how much, yeah, men are taught to, like, act this way, not be in touch with their emotions, like. And that fat phobia extends to the male experience. Yeah, for sure. Is that I'm, yeah, is that like men are also taught to only have six pack abs or nothing else. Is yeah. That, that's not fair either. So. I saw an article the other day that was like the trend of the dad bod unfortunately hasn't like become intersectional and transferred to acceptance of mom bod. And I was like, no, you're not no. allowed to have a tiny. I, yeah, like I, I don't. It's like it's upsetting that the only men we get a, to see on screen have six packs. Like that's not fair. Like give me a fat man. I love who a fat isn't man. funny. Yeah, I I truly love a fat man. So. Yeah, who isn't funny and who's allowed to like have nuance, have romantic yeah. interests, like be a complex character. Okay. 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 So okay, we got the terrible man montage. They leave Kate and Kate answers a call from Dorothy, who's telling her that Shelly was murdered. 
Um, Adam, played by David Boreana. <gasps> and Kate are reunited hot? at Shelly's funeral. She finds a bottle of tequila just like hidden under one sheet of newspaper. <laughs> so funny. And she gets upset, but he says it's a gift for someone else and he's been doing well. He wants to take her out to dinner, but she's unsure and says she'll call him. The four gal pals are catching up like their friend didn't just die, although grief manifests in many different ways. Right. Um, when a detective comes to talk to them, he asks if, the, uh, if they know the date that she was on, Jason Marquette, since he is now also missing. Uh, and he calls them ladies repeatedly. And it's really gross. And he's the worst, truly. He's really bad. Yeah, a cap, you guys. Uh, Dorothy arrives back at home where she's apparently like very wealthy and like a trust fund baby. She's received mm-hmm. a similar threatening Valentine. A hottie named Campbell then arrives at her door. Uh, Campbell has been evicted, so he needs a place to stay. And Dorothy really rudely yells at her maid to make up a guest room. One of the only like, other people of color in this movie. Be nice to Millie. Yeah, be nice she's to her. Perfectly fine. Like we get two people of color in this movie. One is brown, and one is of Asian descent, and they are both othered. Correct. And get Either Which no is happening right now. Or three lines of, yeah. So mm-hmm. Kim runs into her father's wife, who's a young Asian woman. They have a spat. Um, Kate, or excuse me, Dorothy insinuates. Okay, I'm actually insane because I wrote down Kim runs into her father's wife. Who is Kim? Did I just invent So Kim, Kim? is the name of the wife. Oh, he's she's the wife. Okay. Dorothy mm-hmm. runs into Kim, her father's wife. They have a spat. Um, Dorothy disrespects Kim, makes fun of her for being a mail order bride and a prostitute, etc. It's not great. Um, it's bad. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Her father breaks up the argument and says she needs to be respectful. Uh, Kate in her apartment is showering like hot girls do and she hears someone enter her apartment. She gets out to look around but doesn't see anyone. And when she tries to restart the shower, the water is out. So she rinses her hair in the toilet, which was gross. Okay, so, like, back of the toilet. There's back water of the toilet. in the back of Don't the toilet. go to the bowl. The back of the toilet Don't water go to the is bowl. fine. Go to the back of the toilet. It's palatable. It's Don't do the toilet bowl. Your poop has like, been in there. Why do we have to have a blonde, stupid final girl? Like, back of the toilet. Back have of the toilet. Em- emergency? Come on. From here on out, we're calling her back of the toilet, Kate. <sighs> God, back of the toilet, Kate. (laughs) The phone rings. There's static on the other end, and she notices that her apartment door is open. She goes out to investigate and sees the slasher's Cupid mask in the elevator. And then her creepy neighbor, Gary, comes out, and he's trying to hit on her. And she's like, you, like, literally, I'm scared of you. Please get away from me. This is our first instance of, like, mental health disparities being just othered and... You know. And eventually ironed out. Do you get it? Right. And eventually killed because that's all they deserve, right? Totally. There's like people that are crazy can't be rehabilitated, Rebecca. They don't deserve treatment for their mental illness. I mean, don't be silly. They just want to put on pantyhose and that's bad. Yes. Also, like, put on, like, if you're going to walk around your hallways, put on some fucking clothes. Don't walk around in a fucking towel. Come I don't on. really understand what the benefit of leaving the apartment was. Um, I would never leave my, I would never, like, 
have something happen while I'm in the shower, have the towel on, and then walk out my front door. That would never, ever, ever happen. Frankly, I probably just would have ignored the noise and kept showering. Me and Bartleby would be sitting on the couch wondering what's happening as I dial 911. (laughs) That's just me. Paige and Lily are back at their place. Uh, They receive an anonymous package, and they don't know who it's for, but it's signed J.M., Lily eats a candy, but there's maggots inside, and then they're going through the alphabet to find out maybe who it is. Paige suggests um, Jeremy Melton, but neither of them take that seriously, and then Paige comments that they were horrible to him. Later, Kate and Paige are chatting at an event. Um, But they also talk about, like, they are still in the town that they grew up in. So if Jeremy Melton grew up and got hot, like, it would be common town knowledge. Yeah, right? It would be San Francisco town knowledge. Yeah, he would be, like, on the scene. Super hot, yeah. He would be fucking everybody, you know? He would have moved to L.A. and tried to be an actor and then would have became David Boreanaz. He would have been, like, in one commercial and then he would have gone home and been, like... Remember me, ladies? He totally says yeah. ladies. Yeah. Agree. Uh, so Lily comes over to Kate and Paige, introduces him to a toxic art boy named Max. Uh, they're at his opening, and then um, he's, like, really creepy My notes to Kate. say... UGH. Ugh. Yeah. Galleries will let white guys do, do anything. Do pretentious boring bullshit oh my like, god it was so bad galleries will let white guys do whatever they want and honestly the installation work art. wasn't unrealistic i was like yeah that kind of checks out it's yeah it tracks <laughs> yeah it's not ugh, it was bad but it's not anything that i'm not used to seeing in any master fine art thesis exhibit yeah so. no been there done mm-hmm. that for sure yeah Mm-hmm. So they meet Max. He's garbage. Um, Campbell. But I will say. Oh, please go on. Max is played by the actor who is also in uh, Tower Records. Empire, Empire Records. Records. What? What did I say? Tower? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's fine. I'm who? Drunk. What the fuck are you talking about? AJ! That is so not fun. him. Yes, it is! Abby! <gasps> who is in love with Liv Tyler? Oh, Remember her no. from The Strangers? Girl, yes, of course I remember. So I, have seen, yes. I have seen Empire Records 900 times, and I was like, that guy looks kind of familiar. No, Johnny Abby. Whitworth! Ah! He's so How could you? One time Johnny Whitworth liked a post I put up about Empire Records on Instagram. Just saying. I probably have a a screenshot of the like. (laughs) I think he's like religious now. He's into Jesus. Whoa, I can't believe that whole movie went by and I didn't fucking know that was Johnny Whitworth. There was a lot going on. AKA AJ. Oh my God. AJ. I'm going to watch Empire Records tomorrow instead of doing my work. Empire Records is also problematic, but uh, so good. I'll never not love it. Sorry. I'll never not love it. It's the same way I feel about American Psycho. It's like, yeah, it's bad, but I'll love it forever and try to stop me we can't stop you and we're not gonna try okay i'm currently <laughs> shook right now from this johnny whitworth situation I'm sorry <laughs> i can't believe you didn't realize i don't know maybe it was the mustache yeah 
But yeah, so he's like hot. He's hot. Yeah, he's definitely I like felt a toxic. The same way with like Liv Tyler. How could you not? Uh, I know. She's like, we're just friends. Him. I was like, fuck he's him. So, he's so sad and so hot. Such a sad. But she's anyway. such a sad hot boy in that movie. His little yeah. like middle part and he like moves his hair back. He's always touching his hair. Oh my God. Yeah. But you know who I really would fuck up in that movie is Lucas. Really into him for some reason. Sorry, I don't, I'm not well. Ethan Embry was also like a sister. Oh, he's like also my really Christian now. Uh, my sister has a thing for Ethan Embry because I think she has a sub- a thing for submissive men. That's Annie. I hate to tell you. I get, probably the reason I'm into Lucas is because I have a thing for men who I know I'm smarter than, but they act like they're smarter than me. And then I slowly <laughs> start to believe them and it erodes my self-confidence over time. I prefer to, <laughs> it's like Caesar is like smarter than me, but he also is less educated than me. So I'm like, I'm smarter than you because I went to school, but I'm not actually smarter no. than you because he, yeah, Which one of you is going to survive in the wilderness? Because it's not me, it's Adam. Him. Yeah. For sure. I will die it's like, yeah, let me, let me analyze this book at you. Like, does that make <laughs> you feel <laughs> smarter? Like, come on. Oh, uh, Yes. Uh, okay, so they're chatting. Uh, Campbell shows up. He's really a non-issue. I don't enjoy him at all. Uh, so they're all chatting, and Kate tells them about the cherub mask she saw. Dorothy got a similar um, Valentine, and she remembers... Oh, sorry, excuse me. Dorothy remembers a similar mask from the school dance with Jeremy Melton, and Lily says they were just talking about him. They go through Valentine... Valentine. <laughs> This is a drunk episode. Did we mention that? <laughs> I'm drunk, yeah. by the way. They go through Max's super heteronormative art installation Valentine boob maze, where it's just like hot women being like, boobs. I want you. I want you. Boobs. It's also very telling that like the lips that are talking are the lips of a person of color, presumably a black man. But you don't see the rest so. of their face. Yeah. But you don't see the rest of their face. Yes. Uh, so then Lily and Max are smooching and in the maze somewhere and Max I have so much to say about this scene it's a lot to take in Max invited a third without asking her um which like why would you do that you have to tell someone you're gonna invite okay, a third okay so like let's say that this is your art opening is that we're both like artists moved to art school it's like this is your art opening he's 25 like this is the time and then you're like, okay, so I'm seeing this girl. Let's bring in a third. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell her about it. And I'm going to do it in the middle of, of the his, art like, exhibit. Big break. Yeah. Just the hubris, the absolute like brazen pride of white men, you know? I'm upset. Yeah, it is upsetting. So, yeah, bottom line, don't invite a third unless you discussed it with your partner first. Yes. What? Discuss your sexual fantasies and wants with your partner and understand whether or not something they're open to. And if not, respect that. Yeah. Lily rightfully gets upset and leaves, uh, but she gets turned around in the maze and it starts, like, fritzing the video. She finally takes a pause, turns around, and is shot with two Cupid's arrows She falls and stumbles into the stairwell. The third arrow knocks her over the edge and she falls to her death. Uh, And then back in the gallery, a woman has approached Campbell and is angry with him. Um, And she ends up being an investor slash love interest that Campbell fucked over because he's trash. 
So I mean, I feel like women should listen to other women. Yeah, I don't know why they're so antagonistic towards this woman who I believe her name is Ruthie, but I couldn't figure it out, mm-hmm. so I just called her trust. They've never lady. told us. Yeah. But it's only in the credits. Um yeah, they're just like immediately antagonistic. And I feel like if someone was giving me that warning, I'd be like, Yeah, no, that tracks. I've been fucked over a lot of times by a lot of trash people, so I'll listen to you. But Dorothy's very insistent that Campbell is the one. So afterwards, Kate and Adam are having a drink and she's telling him about the creepy stuff that's happening. He asks her for another chance, but she says she's still worried about his drinking and tells him to wait. Uh, Okay, so she is a bad girlfriend. She's taking an alcoholic to a bar. Like, why are you asking to meet you at a bar? Why, you don't have a smoothie shop you can go to? Right, go to a salad bar. Sit like quietly in a park. It's San Francisco. It's nice. It's San Francisco. Like, it's your fault that he's at a bar. Yeah, she seems you're to ba- not even bad. register that she shouldn't order alcohol in front of him until it's, like, already happened. Yeah. Like, huh? That's bad. Huh? She's bad. Uh, Yeah, she also, like... I don't think that you are supposed to date someone when they're in recovery. I don't exactly understand, but um, it seems like she's just, like, kind of a toxic presence in his life that makes it harder for him to get his shit together. So, like, my dad is a recovering alcoholic. Um, And even now, like, when I bring... Because my mom drinks, and I drink, and Caesar drinks, and my sister and her husband, and so... Even now, I feel he's he hasn't had a drink for maybe 20 years, mm-hmm. and I still feel bad. I still feel like, are you okay? Like, are you okay with this? Do you like, guys drink our... at, like, holidays and stuff? And it's, yeah. it's fine? And he we always bring Martinelli's for him. And so it's, like, an active part of his experience, of mm-hmm. our experience. It's always something that I feel, like, cognizant of. So, like... Don't bring him to a bar, yeah. you fuck ass. So like, shitty. Come on. Martinelli's yeah. was a formative part of my youth because my parents didn't love- drink, and I still love it, although it's very sweet. I love Martinelli- Martinelli's. All Martinelli. right. Martinelli's. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsor us. <laughs> you can be our advertiser. Please. So, Paige, Dorothy, and Kate are gathered, I think, at Shelly's like, parents' house. It's very weird. Uh, and the detective shows them a vi- the violent condolence card received by Shelly's parents where it says, too bad, so sad, signed J- Jeremy Melton, which he literally just, like, signed, which is fine. <laughs> which is, yeah, why would you do that? Dorothy says that the murders are definitely him. She got a Valentine so- signed JM, and then Paige says they received one at their house as well. Dorothy said he would go after her because he was sent to reform school after attacking her at the dance. The detective is doubtful, but says he'll check it out anyway. So, uh uh-oh, the fat girl lied. Um, Dorothy (gasps) says she's next and then reveals to the other people, other women, um, that Jeremy didn't attack her and she just said that he did. She says they wouldn't understand because she was fat. Disgusting. How dare she be fat. fat? Back then. Uh, The only person that would even look at her was Jeremy, and she was embarrassed when the other boys caught them smooching, so she lied. I am so upset about... It is horrible. It is damaging. It is not okay. I... I mean, 
it's hard to say like what that is or isn't but like it's not bad (laughs) it's not bad as like a person who has experienced a lot of like fat experiences it's like just i'm sure you experience fat phobia anything just because you have a big butt like literally i'm like now in my late 20s early 30s i am like of straight size but when i was in high school like i was a plus size person and so it's just like so stupid it's just so stupid it just feels so dumb that's this whole thing is surrounded by like a fat phobic experience. Yeah, basically the crux of the entire movie is that Dorothy was ashamed for being fat. So yeah, it's like totally fuck that. And I mean, we'll get into it later, but Dorothy's like really villainized through this whole movie, and she's characterized as just sort of like a horrible shrew because she's like a recovering yeah. fat person. <laughs> and I was like, the rest of sometimes these fat women... people experience joy even when they're still fat. Crazy, right? <laughs> it's upsetting because number one, Mary Shelton and Denise Richards are a size two or like double zero or whatever, and the person playing the actor playing Dorothy is like a, a size four. six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she's fat. Like that's so upsetting. It's she's just like yeah. she's she's like it's just because she's like chunky i'm like she's just not, not chunky. chunky she's she's thin. just not a size double zero right like, she's still a straight sized person like she's not fat like we're all being gaslit by this movie into thinking that she's fat when she's not i know, I know. like some of Which us are like actually fat is fat. not a thing is a it's not a bad thing to be but she is yeah But that's, like, you have to deprogram that. And I don't think that was even, like, a blip on people's radar in 2001. Like, deprogramming how we think about fat people. Oh, also, in case anyone's interested in telling me that, like, I should lose weight for my health, sometimes your weight and your health aren't fucking connected. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck you, number one. I, (laughs) this very well-meaning coworker of mine was, like, because I have such, like, a, I'm just, like, a very, like, non-asymmetrical, like, I have a very asymmetrical body. It's, like, very, it depends on the clothing that I wear, on how you view it, which is fine. It's fine. But you're but like, still straight-sized. I'm straight-sized. I'm, like, a straight-sized person. And so he told me the other day that he asked me if I had been losing weight. And I was like, I honestly don't know. Like, I haven't weighed myself oh, yeah. in maybe also, 10 years. saying you... Asking someone if they've lost weight is not a compliment, so... Like, please don't comment comment on my weight, because maybe, I, like, I personally don't have a lot of attachment to my weight, because I don't have a lot of attachment to my appearance, but that's not true of all women. And so, I, like, he's probably very mal- well-meaning, but, like, I was like, I don't know. And he was like, well, that's, like, a, that's a good thing, right? And I was like, I... Not always. No. You could have no. an autoimmune disorder. You could be really exactly. sick. You could <laughs> you have, have a tapeworm. Like, you could have an eating disorder. <laughs> tapeworm. It's like, and I was like, it's not, like, you thinking that being, that maybe gaining or losing five to ten pounds is, like, a good or bad thing is, like, just me experiencing my period and my hormonal... Yeah. Do you know how easy like, it is to gain and lose fucked ten up. pounds? I, Please. I gain and lose ten pounds like that. It depends on Seriously. how much fucking pizza I've eaten. I've been like, carrying around the same 20 pounds for, like, 15 years. Like, drop it, gain it, drop it, gain it. 
Whatever. Yeah, and I was like, no, that's not a good thing. Like, no, I, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any issues with it. Doesn't mean but that someone, someone else, else does it. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. It doesn't have some sort of eating disorder like, or an eating disorder he, you, you that can't tell someone carried through. Like saying you've lost weight to someone with like a freaking terminal illness isn't a compliment. <laughs> like, please it's stop doing things like that. Please stop. Please stop commenting on people's weight. <laughs> Just because I don't care about my weight doesn't mean that other women don't care about their weight. I try really hard not to care about my weight, but, like, I'm not a self-made woman, and Rome wasn't built in a day. And, like... It's not okay. Like, it's not It's not fair for me to say that I don't care about well, my weight straight because size. I'm a straight yeah. size person. It's like, yeah. we are so not like, allowed... Fat women are not allowed to stop thinking about their weight because we're... Right. It's like society is, like, I experience. rejecting yeah. our existence because... Like, in all ways, we're conditioned to think that fatness is badness. So especially a fat woman that's, like, wearing clothes that makes her feel good that are what you want to see a fat woman in. Like, no, no, no. It's just hard to exist. Like, it's exhausting. I, I, I experience a lot of privilege from, like, my... I inherited my father's metabolism is that like I have a job where I walk around all the time and I like feel comfortable being active and I like have his metabolism and so I experience that like straight sizedness and so I don't have to Bartleby alert um and so I don't have to actively think about my weight the same way that like my mother had to or that Bartleby what a good boy and so, like, I have complicated relationships with my weight, but I don't, I don't have to actively, like, think about it in the same way. Is that, like, I can go to any store and pick something that will probably fit me. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah, that's it's, a privilege that I experience. It's crazy how much people don't want fat people to just, like, exist and experience joy. Fat people can exist. It's a product of capitalism. I can like what my body looks like even though someone else is conditioned to not like you what can. my body looks like. Your boobs Bitch. are so much better than mine. Well, yeah. They, no. I mean, <laughs> it's not better, but it's, like, just different. Just different. And. It's the same with, like, yeah, like, neurologically. We're all different. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got all kinds of funny neurological things going on it's like every time i see my therapist i'm like let's unpack a new trauma from my childhood (laughs) ones i forgot about (laughs) but yeah you know who else has a lot of childhood trauma dorothy and jeremy Milton. (gasps) dorothy like at the very end up until she's spoiler alert dead she's she's hanging on to that 13 year old self of hers crazy uh, right. Where were we? Who even knows? So even Paige remember. says not to worry. Jeremy is not capable of an intricate revenge plot. Um, and then Kate goes to her office to dig up some information on Jeremy when Adam surprises her. She tells Adam the revenge theory and he proposes a trip to Mexico until it all blows over. They reach her apartment, smooch. He decides not to come up and then he says everything's going to be all right. At the police station, they're talking about how Jeremy has been bounced from reform schools to mental hospitals. His parents died several years ago in a fire, and no one knows where he is now. 
The detective ran some enhancements for what he would look like right now, but they didn't. <laughs> uh, they didn't recognize it. Didn't work. Uh, they tell the him enhancements. Enhance, enhancements. So They're so funny. They oh tell him Lily God. is still out of town, and he asks about artist Max. Uh, the detective asks about all of their other boyfriends, and then they uh, seem a little fixated on Campbell. It comes out that he's staying at Dorothy's house, and she doesn't know his last name, so she gets upset and leaves. Paige is really antagonistic to Detective Vaughn, and he asks her to stay behind, and then he says, what are we going to do about this? And she says, what? And then he says he's referring to the imagined sexual tension between them. He tries to touch her and she tells him to remove his hand from her thigh and rebukes him. In Kate's apartment, Cupid Face uh, walks in on creepy neighbor Gary looking at her panties and wearing her pantyhose. Uh, he grabs her iron and basically just irons Gary's face to death. Um, <laughs> iron to the F-A-C-E. Like iron to the face. face. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's how it felt. Um, yeah, this is like so I feel like as I'm reading it I'm like this is not even like language this means nothing <laughs> so outside of Kate's building Adam is waiting for her and he mentions that the detective came to talk to him he asks if she needs a date for Dorothy's party and they exchange weird gifts she gives him an IOU for TLC I'm like write a word out Kate gross <laughs> Gross. So Kate enters her apartment, notices her iron out, and hears a thump, but it's just Paige. Paige tells her about creepy Detective Vaughn, and they get a call from Dorothy about Campbell. It's also, it's upsetting in this scene because Paige says, like, Paige tells Kate, like, this detective sexually assaulted me and she's like whatever did you ask him to yeah, yeah like did you ask for it like that's fucked Terrible. up it's so fucked up mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah i feel like Paige is the archetype of just like the strong Slut. cool slutty girl so like she can't experience trauma because she's always asking for it you know it's asking for it where are you going turn my on. rebecca's on a journey and she's back. I'm back. So, where are she's we? She's asking for she's it. She's asking for it. That's what. Uh, Kate and, uh, and Paige. Paige get a call from Detective Vaughn who tells them that Jason Marquette, the date Shelly was on, the night she disappeared, got picked up. At Dorothy's, she's giving Campbell a fancy watch for Valentine's Day. Uh, they smooch, and then they cut to Campbell after he tried to get it up and couldn't. She goes to take a shower, and then Campbell interrupts her to give her her Valentine's Day gift, which is a little angel necklace. And then he leaves but says he'll be back for the party. He's in the pool trying to swindle, uh, I guess, Dorothy's father. He's picked up all of his information from being around the house and is trying to drain his bank account. But Dorothy pages him on the intercom while he's in the process and asks him to relight the pilot down in the basement. He's a huge asshole. Shocker. He heads downstairs uh, and is doing a pretty bad job at lighting the pilot. Like, I've never seen anyone reach for a box of matches that way. <laughs> it was like he was, like, forgetting he had opposable thumbs or something, you know? <laughs> 
So uh, he lights the pilot, stands up, and then is promptly murdered from behind by Cupid Face. Mm-hmm. Axe to the back. Axe to the backs. Uh, the Valentine's party is underway, but Dorothy is upset because Campbell hasn't turned up. Uh, Adam is there and he's flirting with Kate. Paige is dancing, and then Brian from Speed Dating shows up. Uh, and I wrote all of the flirting in this movie is truly excruciating to watch. Like it's giving me pain in my stomach. Yeah, it's bad. Brian takes Paige upstairs because he has a surprise for her and they're smooching. Um, unfortunately, the surprise is his dick and he quickly tells Paige to wax it. I think we Brian all kind of so knew it was going to be his dick. Though. Unattractive. He's so creepy. I, I already forgot his face, to be honest with you. It's creepy. But I just, when a man tells you, come upstairs, I have a surprise for you. Like, you know it's his dick already. The dick is the surprise. Yeah, it's not. You should feel lucky to have the dick. The dick is better than you, Paige. So, like, there are so many candles lit in every room that's entered. Who's going to turn these off? It's a fire hazard. You're going to burn the house down. So... Um, Paige is like, all right, we'll get down to business. So she takes off his shirt, tells him to lie down. He has, like, there's truly an inordinate amount of silk scarves just in the nightstand. So she uses, like, 15 silk scarves to tie him up. And then she pours candle wax on his dick. He deserved it, and I'm proud of her. Um, so the other woman, Ruthie, that Campbell conned, shows up and says the necklace Dorothy's wearing is hers. She says, no, Campbell loves me, and Ruthie replies that he loves her trust fund. Paige and Kate, again, don't listen to her when she's, like, honestly, like, I'm trying to tell you the truth and warn you. So they eject her from the party. Uh, and then Max turns up and says Lily didn't arrive in L.A. He called her office and she never showed up. Uh, and then Kate is concerned, but Max is too busy hitting on her to care. And calling her sweetness. Sweetness. Trust fund lady is going through Campbell's shit and finds the watch that Dorothy gave him. She hears a little rumbling outside and goes to check it out, but there seems to be nothing. Uh, she then kind of runs in by accident to Cupid Face, who murdered the maid, whose name is Lily? Millie. Millie, excuse Mm -hmm. me. Sorry for marginalizing further one of the only people of color in this movie. She hits him with a pool cue once. I'm like, hit him several times. Make sure he is out. Mm -hmm. Take the pool cue with you. Why are you behaving like this, madam? So she hits him with a pool cue, runs away, hides in the sauna. Uh, In the sauna, she finds Campbell's body and just keeps, like, making a lot of noise and moving around, like... He already so walked past. If you're going to be in the sauna, stay there. Be quiet. Don't move. Don't do anything forever. Just live there until, you know, you die of old age. You don't need to go mm-hmm. back out. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the sauna, she's like moving around and eventually exits thinking that Cupid face is gone. Unfortunately, he's not. He pushes her through a shower and then impales her head on some of the broken glass. It's not great. <sighs> I I kind of like Dorothy, even though she was rich. She was too rich. Yeah. So Kate tells Dorothy that Lily never showed up in L.A. And they go to find out if Paige knows anything. Uh, Detective Vaughn calls and says they didn't have enough on Marquette to hold him. So they released him. 
And then she says Lily never made it to L.A. So Vaughn is saying he's on his way, stay in groups, which they don't do at all. Um, (laughs) So Kate then catches Adam drinking and she gets upset. Paige is having some hot tub time with her champagne. Uh, She has her back to the door and we see someone moving behind her. Uh, The door slams and startles her. So she turns back around, sees a rose by her champagne. And she calls out to see if anyone is there. Get up and run. Run. You don't need to know. Run. Uh, You don't need to know who's there. It's not going to be productive for you. So uh, she's in her little bikini wandering around like, hello, hello. And then eventually (laughs) Cupid Face attacks her, tosses her in the hot tub, closes and locks it. This confused me. So he starts power drilling holes through the top as though he's like making her a little, you know, aquarium to live in. (laughs) I was like, oh, it's like... She's like... Yeah, exactly. She's a whole breathing through, yeah. Uh, But Mm -hmm. then he power drills into her shoulder, unlocks the top, and then tosses the running drill in, electrocuting Mm -hmm. her. So Mm -hmm. I feel like the whole drilling was superfluous, and he could have just gone straight to the the electrocution. Uh Right, a whole penetration. You're always so good about recognizing penetration when you see it. I... It's so obvious says you i didn't notice (laughs) the penetration of the like fucking spiky drill into the holes yes okay Mm -hmm. you've made your point i i'm upset about it (laughs) so the power goes out in the whole place because of this electrocution uh dorothy and kate are fighting and accusing the other person's significant other of being the murderer um Dorothy has like a shrill fat girl moment like why should I get to have what I want I'm fat you're the pretty one she's the fatty one she storms away Kate goes to call the detective she hears his cell phone ringing and a water feature in the yard and unfortunately finds his dead body floating in a pond next to her IOU to Adam uh, she then runs into the house calling for Paige and Dorothy, but it's quiet. And then Adam began, begins following her, like, really menacingly, like, not in a way that a normal person I would. I said, here comes scary David Boreanaz. He was scary, David Boreanaz. He's, like, but David Boreanaz is so charming. I know, he's usually and so hot. sweet, and he's still yeah, hot in this I'm, like, having a hard time reconciling, you know? I hear ya. Ah, he uh, says, wait, what's going on? Oh, so she says, it's you. And then he says, it's me. (laughs) And I was like, thanks. I don't, I need that 0%. It's you. It's It's me. She says she heard a noise and she was worried that something happened to Dorothy. He, in some, you know, slightly coded, like, less obvious fat phobia, says Dorothy's a big girl. And then he forces Uh Kate to dance with her. He says that he would never hurt her. She's the only good thing in her life, and everyone else can die as far as he cares. Uh, It's, you know, a red flag, but she ignores it, and everything Mm -hmm. worked out fine. She knees him in the balls, gets away from him, continues looking for Dorothy. Uh, I said in this part, always kick in the balls. Like, always, always knee in the groin. Yeah. Never run upstairs. Always run outside. 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 Outside is safe. Yeah. To the car. Mm -hmm. Go to the car. Always kicking the balls. Never an upstairs. Honestly, when you notice something is going haywire earlier in the evening, make sure you know where your car keys are. Word to the Mm -hmm. wise. 
So uh, upstairs, Adam is back and he's like, what's going on? Everything's fine here. Uh, he keeps following her. She runs away. She eventually finds Paige dead in the hot tub, comes across Ruthie impaled on the shower glass. She goes to the study to grab Dorothy's father's gun and she ventures back into the hallway and is climbing the steps into the pool room. At the top of the stairs, Cupid Face runs into her and they tumble down the stairs. When Cupid Face sits up, Adam shoots multiple times at the figure and then goes to remove his mask. Underneath, it's the fat girl. It's Dorothy. No, why did you do this movie? Kate says she doesn't understand. And Adam says when you're that lonely slash fat and that angry slash fat, you can hide it away (laughs) under your fat, but it eats away at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Adam says he loves her. He always has. His nose bleeds like Jeremy Melton's, and the movie is complete. Mm-hmm. So we pinned it on the fat Finn. girl. We framed fat the girl. fat girl size four girl. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. so bad. So she's yeah, she's like a size four. So societal, it's, it's so upsetting. Societal fat phobia and Dorothy's ingrained shame lead her to lie about Jeremy attacking her, which sets off this entire chain of events. So a lack of mental health support, which is a systemic failing and not the failing of one sixth grade girl, leads to Jeremy mm-hmm. turning into like this deranged killer. But Dorothy is still gaslit basically the whole way through, and she's still uh lied to and she still made a villain just for being kind of fat when she was in sixth grade so obviously she made a mistake by calling jeremy out and saying that he quote-unquote attacked her uh but i feel like so much of this hinges on like the word of a sixth grader it just makes like no logical sense it's also like why not if this is a revenge plot why not go after the boys who yeah. tormented him and stripped him and poured punch all over him? Why go after the girls? Like, that's it just doesn't seem fair. Also, why Kate? Like, I guess because she's, like, slightly nice to him and she's, like, the thin blonde one. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, he actually has, like, a, ro- you know, romantic encounter, quote unquote, as much as you can when you're, like, a child, uh, with Dorothy. And then... Like, this whole thing hinges on Dorothy's lie, and yet, like, Kate is the object of desire. So he's basically enacting, like, typical abuser moves by alienating her and taking her friends and family away, so she only has him to rely on. But it's so confusing. Why Kate? Why Kate? So she says three nice, like, three nice lines to him. And then she, like, he stalks her for 13 13 years. 13 years, yeah. I I don't know. I am. I also think this movie is not only fat phobic, but it also holds up a really dangerous stigma for women reporting sexual assaults and um yeah like behaviors of when men are making them uncomfortable or attacking them because this is like what you know like people that want to like defend sexual predators always say like oh women misreport like you're gonna ruin the man's life women misreport and then the entire plot of this movie hinges around one woman aka sixth grade girl lying and destroying the like 
reputation and mental health of a perfectly promising man. Uh, so it's just like basically never report, never report because this is like the outcome, basically. It's also the detective is a sexual is predator, a sexual predator yeah. himself. Yeah, so like even Dorothy's... I don't know, supposed, like, sexual assault, because maybe she wasn't that into it, but she felt pressured because she was 15 pounds overweight in sixth grade. Like, she felt pressured to make out with this kid who was obviously desperate. It just feels like a lot of victim-blaming. And then cut to 13 years later, she's still being forced to, like make promise like make apologies for someone else's decisions yeah i don't yeah i don't it's just insane that she was framed for like multiple murders just for having been like for being slightly fat yeah but not even that's what like caesar's like she's so we were watching this movie together and he was like she's thick i'm like she's the other three women in this movie are a size double zero and she's a size sort of looks thick two and so she's like fat quote fat unreal fat she's like not a fat person which is like fat isn't a bad thing to be but we're also being gaslit by this movie into thinking that this actor is is fat number one equals bad so yeah it's fucked it's just like drawing these so many like useless ugly binaries everywhere like Mm -hmm. if you are one like thing like this can ruin your life unhinge your life and if you're mentally ill you can never recover and you're not worth saving if you're mm-hmm. fat once, it'll haunt you for the rest of your life because it's a terrible thing to be. It's the worst thing you can be. And if you become fat, you have to constantly work to overcome being fat. Uh, and then you see an example of Dorothy kind of backsliding because you see her binging on wings when Campbell stands her up. Like, don't conflate fucking, like, fatness with binge eating and disordered eating don't fucking do that don't do it please don't do it all the time i love binge eating it's the only way i know how to eat it's just like so many damaging messages that were like allowed to be in this mainstream film with like major actors of the day it's pretty upsetting to me i'm heated i'm cheesed you know i'm always cheesed yeah it's bad it's bad i like, being fat is not the worst thing that you can yeah. be. Yeah, being uh, a capitalist is the worst thing you can be, and everybody knows Truly that. and a racist. One in the Fuck same, that. am I right? One in the same. <laughs> but, um... I, yeah, I'm pretty much horrified. I'm agog. I do think that the entire effect of this movie is probably worse than the sexual assault perpetrated by the snowman and Jack Frost. Um... This is obviously the most fat phobic thing we've ever touched, and it's just like not even sorry for being fat phobic. I just also <laughs> feel like fat phobia is such a like it's just so subtle, and it plays into so many things that we that we consume every day. And I have recently been watching RuPaul's Drag Race, which I, like, I love competition reality shows, and I thought that this, that I had finally sort of tapped into something where I wouldn't have to feel bad about, like, rooting for certain contestants, and then Mm -hmm. they all are, like, then they're all making fun of the one, the one fat queen that they allow on the show, and I'm like, this is, this is fucked up. It's trash. 
uh, and is transphobic, but that's a whole nother Yeah, that's issue. not that's not for today. I, <sighs> yeah, but I'm like, fat is not the worst thing to be. It's okay to be fat. Yeah, it's great. It's fine. You can be fat I, and enjoy you know, being in your body. And you can, like, it's really hard to buy. Capitalism. No. It's hard to buy clothes as a fat woman. And it's especially problematic if you want to shop sustainably because there's just so few options. Uh, Also, it should be illegal to make clothes for plus size women more expensive than the straight sizes. That's fucked Yeah, that's a real fucking thing because it takes more material. Even as someone, like, who's a size 8, like, even buying vintage clothing can be like okay well like when i go on Ep- on etsy and like are they they're advertising for a size 0 yeah and i'm a size 8 like imagine like i just it's so upsetting Tell me about it. it's, as you know yeah, i it's love buying fucked vintage up. oh but yeah for all you fatties out there i have a good instagram account if you like buying vintage which is it's called shop fatties and i'm going to tell you the handle right now so it's shop period fatties and this woman Lauren runs the shop and she uh, does like really frequent story sales with um, like the measurements of the clothes and it's a lot of like awesome vintage finds for fat bodies. She's been my saving grace for buying vintage as a fat woman because I want to buy vintage. I want to shop sustainably. Yeah, everyone wants to. Yeah, like it's it's just upsetting to try to buy sustainably and then be like, I'm not like, yeah, I'm a straight sized person. So like even me who's like falling sort of the the larger size of the spectrum is, like, eight is not a, a large size by any means, but, like, why are you... I don't... I'm so afraid to go wedding dress shopping. Like, I feel like when uh... I shop for a wedding dress, I'm going to have to call every single place I want to go to beforehand and make sure they have, like, plus-size sample sizes and make sure they have the dresses I want. It's just... The world is not accessible to fat people. You can't just yeah. walk in and buy things. <laughs> like it's – I also – I mean I would love to go buy my wedding dress from like a fat sales associate. Like I feel like – I don't know. Fat women get married. Like we do all the things that yeah. straight size women do. We move throughout the world. We have weddings. We ha- go to prom. We have – we're bridesmaids. Like – we wear jeans, like we and there's work no out. We do all of the things. Yeah, yeah. It's just really frustrating, and this movie just made me cringe because 2001 is not that long ago, and these yeah are such damaging, damaging issues. And when I was when I was a uh, eleven, when I was watching this movie, I was like, oh my god, she's fat now. Yeah. Yeah, I was a larger size than I am currently. And so this was very, yeah, like there's just like things that seep into your mind. I remember being like probably 11 or 12 or however old I was when S Club 7 came out. And there was the one Rachel, they made fun of Rachel for having like humongous boobs. And I remember being like 12 and I was like, my boobs are bigger than hers. And I'm still a child. Like the things that... We, like, the programming that society instills in us is really, really hard to undo. And it's really hard to accept your body and love your body as a fat person. And shit like this really fucking doesn't help. And it's a disappointment. And I still think, like, 
you don't see like I have curated my Instagram feed so that I see fat bodies. I see all kinds of bodies like fat. It's like my black, TikTok femmes, is full of everything. black creators. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but. but it's still like when you go to watch any content like you don't I still don't see representation uh in like romantic comedies i'm never gonna see a fat woman on the bachelor like or the bachelorette like there's it's also upsetting when like like amy schumer is like is in fat. a romantic yeah. comedy and she's fat and she's my size like that's not that's not fat representation like that's she's still a straight size person like and that's not like fat women any progressive should be able to play complex characters that have love interests that are accepted and celebrated not in spite of their bodies but because of their bodies and i just like if you are dating married to a fat woman and you happen to hear this like please or go tell your man. or a fat man please go tell your partner or how fat gender fluid person yes any fat person that you love, go tell them that you celebrate their body and you love them just the way they are because it's fucking hard out there for us. It's fucking hard. And I am married to a man who, like, loves beer and burgers and wings. And I love him and he's beautiful. So, like, I don't I don't want a dude with a six-pack. Six I want a guy who's gonna fucking drink beer and eat pizza with me. Like, that's all I want in my life. But also, we don't want to me. shame anyone that wants their body to look right. any specific way. If you want to have a six-pack, fine. But, like... I guess if you want to go to the gym, but, like, can we hang out? Maybe not. The thing is, like, the fat-positive movement is not about acceptance shaming it's not about shaming and it's not about us being like fat people being accepted in spite of being fat it's about being liberated from the programming that tells us that we have no value so like i think that a lot of skinny people and straight size people have co-opted this movement and that's fine like celebrate your body and celebrate fat bodies but it's not about like it's not about being body positive. It's about taking away anything that ever made us feel anything about our bodies. Except that, like, right. this is the skin that I live in. It protects me from the earth. Like, it's, <laughs> like, it protects me from predators. Like, it keeps me safe. It keeps me warm. Like, I just don't know right. when everything went so wrong. Thanks for fucking nothing, just, like, patriarchy. Thanks for nothing, <laughs> fucking jamie blank i so i just like have a very complicated relationship with my body and with weight and like i experience privilege because i'm a straight-sized person with like a sort of pear-shaped body which is now in the 2020s like a good thing but when i had a large ass and fucking 1999 no one gave a shit but like i like, I am in love with a person who is not a straight-sized person. I, like, my family, a lot of them are not straight-sized people. And, like, I have experienced times where I'm not, I, like, you know, I my weight fluctuates. And so, I just, like, fucking fuck everything. Fuck Nothing exists. everything. Bodies are meaningless. Like, we are, we're all just, like, floating specters. We are literally all just, like, garbage bags filled with water. Yeah. And you're gonna die no matter what. And, yeah, you're gonna go to a black hole. You're going nowhere. We're all dying. That's all I have to say. Yeah. That's it. And enjoy your and body and Valentine. respect your body. And Valentine is garbage. <laughs> but we stand David Boreanaz. Till the day 
he dies or we die, probably will die first True. because he's like probably goes to a nutritionist. So he's got like wheatgrass <laughs> shots in the morning. Exactly. So, uh, please follow us on Instagram. It's at spooky succubus underscore cast. Please rate and review. If you guys left a juicy review, even if you give us one star and pan us, I'll post a screenshot of it because, like, I just want, I want it. Just give me feedback. Feedback. We're thirsty, we're dirtbags, and we're not afraid of anything. I'm drunk. She's drunk. And I'm, yeah. It's the drunk episode. <laughs> It's true. I'm not going to deny it. All right. We don't know what we're doing next week because we're too drunk to think about it right now, but it'll probably be whatever Benjamin wants. We love you, Benjamin. Thanks, Benjamin. We love you all our Patreon sponsors. Jocelyn, Audrey. Thanks. uh, Annie. Annie, Ariel, Kristen, and... Wendy. Wendy. I think that's it. That's it. All right, dudes. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye.